Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Are excited next weekend? We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be continuing in our series, Characters of Christmas. But today is gonna be incredible. If you've been here before, when Doug has been here, you know that every time it's like a it's a right on time word for our church and the people of our church. And I know you're gonna be blessed. Come on, he's a he's a husband, he's a father, he's an author. He's got he's gonna talk to you about his his book that is out in the lobby that you can purchase. Uh, he's an overseer here uh, that speaks into our church uh, on a regular basis, and so we're so thankful for you. So come on, will you put your hands together and welcome to the stage, Pastor Doug Reed. Hey, let's give it up for our pastors. Don't you love Pastor Gabe and Amanda and them? And Wow. What a, uh, I, I had no idea, I, I don't know what it was, five or six years ago or something, Pastor Gabe called me and asked me to be an overseer as you guys were planting the church, and, and I'm actually, I actually serve in that position for a few churches, but I always pray through it and, and uh, just felt a check in my spirit, and you don't know if it's just going to be like a call every year or if they'll never call you, you know, or what the responsibility will be. had no idea I'd be coming here every co- a couple of times a year to speak. Uh, but I am such a fan of what God has done in this place. How many of you know that God has done great things here at Impact Church? And, and I believe that he's just getting started. Uh, I love that you guys are already starting to outgrow this building, so don't get too attached because we want to reach more people. Amen? And, and I just think the Lord has great and mighty things for us. Uh, I'm great to have my uh, beautiful wife, Jeannie, with me today. She, she's actually, she's actually going to be in the next service, but... Uh, we are just excited about the Christmas season. Merry Christmas, amen, uh, and what the Lord is doing. So uh, I travel and speak in conferences and churches uh, all, all over the country. It's funny, I normally, I was telling Gabe, I normally take the month of December off, and this year uh, we decided to at least put a, I, I'm, I'm only doing two speaking gigs this month, and uh, um, I, my mind is a little bit like, what are you doing to me, you know, because normally, normally I'm off this time of year. But uh, part of why I do that is because we travel extensively overseas as well. I'm usually on the road about 200 days a year. And you guys have been a part of our missions ministry, Partnership International. I know I see some of you that have actually been on some of our teams. And this next year, you'll be partnering with us in the uh, country of Burundi, East Africa. Uh, it sits right below Rwanda. It's the poorest country in the world. And uh, what God is doing there, I, I almost start crying every time I talk about it. Uh, but we'll have almost a thousand pastors at a conference in February. Uh, we'll do uh, a bunch of building projects. We're bringing almost $100,000 with us for that particular trip. And God is really blessed. And your church is a part of that. And we're so grateful for you. Uh, you'll be helping us build a new dormitory at the uh, uh, orphanage that we serve at in, in, in Jamaica as well. And, and you guys will be a part of that. So you'll hear more. I know there's a lot of other projects going on. But we're just grateful for you and for your generosity and for what God is doing. Well, I, I, uh, I want to share with you a word. It's the latest word that I have. And I really felt a check in my spirit a couple months ago to share this with you. It, it is called fighting words. We're going to talk about how to win the war 
of our words. Now, it's funny, I was like, well, it's the holiday season, I wonder if I should do this, and, I, and immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, there's probably never a time when we deal with our words like we do at the holiday season. Probably some of you have family members that are coming in uh, to visit you here in a couple of weeks, and, and things will be said. Uh, things have been said, you know, in the past. You might even have some what we'll call like word wounds in your life from uh, somebody in your family, and you're like, man, Pastor Doug, I'm really not even looking forward to seeing them, not, not so much because of their presence, but because of what might come out of their mouths, and and I can tell you, uh, God has something better for us than that. Amen? How many of you know that you as a Christian, you can win the war of words? Uh, we, are, are, we are, as people, we are very affected by our speech. They say that the average person speaks about 16,000 words per day. My beautiful wife, Jeannie, is an overachiever in that arena. Uh, they say if you were to count that up, that um, you would write 66 books a year just with your words. And I am convinced that God cares more about our words than just about anything. My father is proud of me when I get my thoughts and my speech right, and I'm going to prove that to you today. I think many of you right now, you are in a season where like your reality doesn't really match up to your theology. Like you, you think that God is good, but you might be going through a hard time. Can I just give you some advice? How you talk during a tough season will determine how you walk through that season. It'll really determine how you experience it emotionally and spiritually. You know, doctors and audiologists, they tell us that when a word is spoken, that the vibration enters into your ears and it goes through what's called the limbic system. And they say that 24,000 nerve cells begin to interact with your speech and it sends chemicals and hormones throughout your entire body. They say that when a negative word is spoken, that it can take up to 72 hours for the chemical reaction in your body to subside. How many of you have experienced that before? You, you know that when words are spoken, especially in a negative sense, like your whole body feels the words. And, and some of you are here today, and literally your personality early in your life was formed partially because of what somebody spoke over you. Maybe somebody that was in authority over your life said something negative to you, or you were called a loser or worthless or whatever. Can I tell you, part of your salvation package in Christ is that Jesus took all those negative words on the cross. The Bible says three different times in the Gospels that they hurled insults at Christ while he was on the cross. So what I believe is every negative word that was ever spoken over you, it is a part of your salvation package in Christ that you can be better than those words. Amen? Christ took those things on the cross. And I believe that God can heal every wounded person here today. Everybody knows this to be true, don't we? 
even if you're here today or you're watching online, let's give it up for our online audience. Uh, uh, I, I can tell you, probably everybody here, even if you're not a Christian, you know the power of words. We all have been attacked from time to time by words. Maybe somebody recently was like a verbal assassin and they cornered you and they cut right through all of your defenses and it got right to the heart of your soul. I, I, I was speaking in St. Louis about a year ago and it was a big church and they had multiple services and and uh, anyway, between one of the services, I had made an announcement. I said, hey, I would love to meet you at my back table. I said, I, I, I've spent a year writing a book. I'd love to give you one if you can't afford it. You know, and just anyways, the, before I could get out, the crowd had already left. So I kind of cut down the hallway, you know, trying to get ahead of the crowd. And I noticed this guy was behind me in the hallway. And he was kind of shoving me in my back, and he kept saying, I want one of your books. Give me a book. And I was like, this dude really wants a book. I'm like, you don't have to beat me up for a book. I will give you one. And, and uh, anyway, I got out in the hallway, and he got right in my face. And I, I, I literally, I've never told anybody everything the man said. But all I can tell you is that it was right from the pit of hell. How many of you know the enemy knows how to get to your insecurities, doesn't he? And it was about, I don't know, 45 seconds of that vial. And then finally he pushed me and began, like, what, reared back like he was going to hit me. And I've actually had this happen multiple times. I don't know why I tick people off so much. But uh, uh, finally the security guys that should have already been there kicked in and they drug him out or whatever. But I can tell you it took me months to process that verbal attack. And, I, and, by, and in Jesus' name, we can be healed. Amen? God can heal you of those kind of things. You know what it is, is that Satan, he is like an opposite effect imitator. Like God uses his words to create and speak life. In fact, one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 55, 11, God says this. He said, I will send, my, I, I, um, God says, my word I send will always, everybody say always, accomplish everything I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So what is God saying? He's saying, when I speak, creation happens, man. Everything that God has ever spoken over you is going to come true. Amen? Why? Because his word is like a drone. It goes out on a mission, and it will not come back until it's accomplished everything. Just because there's been a delay does not mean that it is not going to come true. I mean, know that God's word is eternal, and whatever he has spoken over your life will be true in Jesus' name. Now, the enemy, he does the opposite. He uses words to destroy and to tear down and to bring death. We see in creation God using his words to create, but we also see the enemy using words, everybody say words, to deceive. You see, the real battles of this world are waged, one are fought, one are lost, in the realm of words. Now, this is true in the big picture, but it's also true for you and me. Uh, the wars of your life are really being fought partially by your words. Now, this is so powerful when you begin to study the Scripture. Why? Because the Bible tells us that Jesus, John chapter 1, Jesus was the Word. Everybody say, the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. Jesus is the Word of God in the flesh. He was there in the beginning. He created uh, uh, life, and, and he does it through his words. The second thing I want you to understand here is that your words have farther reaching impact than you can ever begin to imagine. Now, you probably know this verse, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. And those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit, and they will bear the consequences of their words. In other words, your words are like seeds that go out and create a harvest. Did you know you are never just talking? Did you know that? Like, like you ever get around somebody and they're just like, hey, we're just talking here, man. You know, you know, it's not, not really serious. We're just talking. Can I tell you, you are never just talking. Your words will always produce a harvest of life or death. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 12, 36. He said that you will have to give an account for every careless word. Man, that is a scary verse. How many of you would admit, I've spoken some careless words, right? You, according to the Bible, you will give an account for every careless or every idle word that you have ever spoken. So it's a powerful thing, your speech. Now, one of the ways we know that speech is so powerful is because of the power of unsaid words. Some of you, you can quote the words that you wish were spoken over you. There is a sadness in the silence of your life because somebody that was powerful in your life that should have told you that they loved you. They should have said that they're proud of you. They should have spoke life to you. They should have said that they were sorry, and yet they did not. I have a friend whose father committed adultery very late in his life, like in the last couple of years of his life. And, and finally, uh, he went to him as his son, and he said, Dad, you need to apologize to the family for what you did. And his dad said, I asked Jesus for forgiveness. I'm good. How I many of you know that's not good enough, right? He actually ended up dying before he could ever apologize. And now his entire family feels the weight of words that should have been spoken but never were. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 18 that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. There, there's really two kinds of people here today. There's people who talk way too much, right? And there's people who you don't say enough. Listen, especially if you're the mom or the dad, really the dad has even more power in your family. You ought to be the one that speaks life. Amen? Right now, this morning, my son is preaching in Kansas City while I am preaching here with you guys. And I'm so proud of him. But I can remember back when he was 12, 13, calling out the calling that was in his life, saying the words that should have been said. And when those words are spoken, how many of you know they're going to bring a harvest? Amen? So we've got to say the right things. We have to plant the seeds of destiny in those that we love. The person that is most affected by your words, though, is actually you. Do you know the Bible tells us that your words, they determine the very course of your life. Now, later you should read James chapter 3. It, it is probably the greatest passage in the Bible when it comes to words. I'll just read you a couple of verses. James chapter 3, verse 2. 
We all stumble in many ways, and anyone who is never at fault in what they say, right, the words, is perfect. Everybody say perfect. And able to keep his whole body in check. What, what, what the Bible is saying is that if you get your words right, you can literally experience perfection in Christ. I mean, I mean, your walk with God can be like Pastor Gabe's biceps. It, it's just amazing, you know, perfection personified. Amen? What, what, what we're saying, uh, he uses the word perfect. He's saying if you get your mouth under control, then everything else in your life will begin to be under control. He goes on to say that, you know, your words are like the bit in a horse's mouth or they're like the rudder on a ship. And, and though that your tongue is a small part of your body, it literally directs the entire course of your life. What, what is James saying? That your words are like the steering wheel of your life. If you don't like where you're going, you have to change the way that you're talking. Your words predict your future, and how you speak ultimately determines the very destination of your life. Words are the guidance system of your life. If you don't like where you're going, change the way that you're speaking. Now, this is so big. Why? Because I believe that God, part of how he tests our maturity in Christ, and I'll prove this to you, is the way that we speak. If you really think that you're ready to do great things for the Lord, one of the things that you should monitor is the way you talk. There's an incredible story in the Bible that I don't have time to really develop. It's not really a Christmas story, but it is the story of a man named Job. And you might know the story. I, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I want God to trust me as much as he trusted Job. Because the Bible says one day that God and the devil are like having a conversation. And God kind of starts trash talking to the devil about his servant Job. And he says, listen, that guy's going to serve me no matter what. Have you ever met my incredible servant Job? And he ends up giving the devil permission to do anything he wants to Job outside of killing him. The Bible tells us Job loses his family, his business, his health. I mean, one attack after another. Now, I don't know about you, but if my reality doesn't match up to my theology that much, how many of you might look to the sky and say, God, what's up? You know, I don't understand. But the Bible tells us that Job, when all of this had happened, verse 20 of chapter 1, that he rose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell down on the ground, and worshipped. Wow. Not once through all of this does the Bible say that Job sinned or blamed God. The Bible says in verse 10 that in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. And some of you, just a little bit of something goes wrong, and immediately you start blaming God. But the Bible says that Job loses everything, and he never once sinned with his mouth. I, I, I meet pastors that, man, they can preach like a house of fire, but you get them in a restaurant, and pretty soon they'll start, you know, with their lips, complaining about you or their situation. You get what I'm saying? Man, we've got to get this under control. You know, you know why God could trust Job so much? Because God knew, I had them get me this, God knew what was inside of Job. This is just a simple 
pump sprayer. You know, you pump it up with pressure, and then when you spray it, whatever's inside of it comes out. How many of you know that what is in you will eventually come out of you? That Jesus said it like this. He said, out of the heart, the mouth will what? Speak. So when, now, now listen, I don't like this any better than you do, and it only gets worse from here, by the way. Hmm. But, but don't ever take for an answer, oh, my goodness, I don't know where that came from. I didn't mean to say it. No, no, no. I'll tell you right where it came from. It was inside of you, and therefore it came out of you. You know, you know it's funny. In my early days, there were times when I would go and travel and speak and do mission trips and camps, and I would be gone 30, 40 days sometimes at a time from my family. And Jeannie's at home. And she's raising our young kids, and we're talking every day, but I'm not there experiencing the reality of it. And, man, I would just be in God's presence for 30, 40 days, man. I mean, I'm just being used of God every day. I just feel like I am so close to Jesus. And then I'll get home, and the kids are attacking me, and reality is back. You get what I'm saying? And after a few days, something would come out of me, and I would be like, what is that? And finally, one day, it just came out of me like this. I told Jeannie, I said, I can live for Jesus perfectly when I'm not around you guys. That's what I said. And she looked at me, and she was like, exactly. Why? Because it was still in me. It just didn't come out until the pressure was on, right? When the pressure's on, what's inside of you will come out. And the good news is, how many know we have a faithful God and if we stop making excuses and take that as the reality, how many of you believe that God can heal us in the area of our speech? Well, listen, I want you to get this right. How many of you want to have victory this holiday season over your speech? So I, so I want to share with you very quickly today, very quick. I know what time it is, very quickly, five ways, five ways you can use your words like a warrior. Number one, number one, you have to speak in faith. You know, I'll often hear phrases like this. Pastor Doug, I'm just telling it like it is. You ever hear anybody say that? Hey, Pastor Doug, you know, you know what it is? I'm just committed to the truth. You can't handle the truth. No, 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 no. You're not committed to the truth. You're just mean. That's what I'll say. Why? Because the big problem is this. Whenever you decide you're going to say whatever you're going to say, what you're really saying is this. I've taken a quick look at your life, and I've made a judgment of it. Now I know what's up, and I'm going to tell you what's up. Here's the problem with that situation. You're not God. You don't have an aerial view of the situation. How many of you know God's the only one who really knows what's going on? So, so how about this? How about instead of telling it like it is, why don't we start telling it like it could be? Amen? Instead of speaking with meanness in our heart, why don't we begin to speak with faith in our mouths? Amen? Uh, anybody can repeat what they are seeing. It takes people of faith to repeat what God is saying. Let me show you this in the Bible. Numbers chapter 13. The Bible tells us this, that the children of Israel, they're about to go into the promised land. Now, I, I know most of you aren't theologians, but I'll give you a little clue what's going on. There are 37 nations on the other side of that river that does not want Israel to take that promised land. 
How many of you know, just because God promised you something doesn't mean there's not a battle as you go into it, right? So what does God do? He said, send in some spies. So they send in 12 spies into the promised land. Ten of the guys come back telling it like it is. Hey, hey, man, the people are really big over there. You think Goliath was big, you should see these guys, man. I mean, we are like grasshoppers in their eye. We're going to die if we go into the promised land. Only two guys spoke in faith, Joshua and Caleb. And I'll give you a clue, and I am so glad God doesn't deal with us like this in the New Testament anymore. The Bible says that God wipes out those ten and their families, and then only Joshua and Caleb get to live to ripe old ages and go into the promised land. Why? Because they spoke with faith instead of just saying or parroting what their eyes had seen. Amen? I mean, you know, we as people of faith have to speak in a positive way. Today's talking will actually open up tomorrow's territory. Amen? You've got to say it so you can see it. Number two, you have to speak life over yourself and others. Now, a really great question, a really great question to ask while we're on this topic is what does it sound like to follow Jesus? You know, you know there, there might be somebody watching or maybe somebody invited you. I mean, this church, they will kidnap you and bring you to church. And, and maybe you just say, I got on the wrong bus. Pastor, I don't even know why I'm here. I, okay, I get that. But there's probably some of you that you've got big issues with Christianity. And here's why. Because you got around a Christian that doesn't sound anything like Jesus. And, and well, listen, we have to speak and deliver, like export God's grace with our words. How, how many of you would give influence over somebody that spoke judgmentally to you? Probably nobody. But how many of you would give influence to somebody who spoke gracefully to you? Probably everybody. There's something about the power of our words when we deliver God's grace. You, you know what words are? Words are like an activator. Now, now, see, in my garage right now, I have a bag of grass seed for the spring. I bought it on sale. I'm saving it for the spring. That, that grass seed will sit there and do absolutely nothing until I put water on it, right? But if I put water on it, even if I didn't put soil, if I just put water in that bag, how many of you know those seeds would begin to sprout, right? See, see listen. You might have something negative inside of you that Jesus is working on. Maybe you got problems with your wife. Maybe you got problems with your kids. Maybe there's still some bitterness that you just haven't been able to take care of yet. Can I tell you, that word that's inside of you, that negativity, it will do no harm until you speak it, right? Listen, I can be working on stuff for months or years, but as long as I don't spray it, I mean, you know, if there was poison in here, it wouldn't matter until I sprayed it, right? But as long as it's inside of here, it can't hurt anybody. When you speak, it's like you activate that situation, and now all of a sudden there's pain, there's harm. We have to be better than that. We can speak like Jesus would speak. Paul told us in Romans 12, 14, that we are to bless and not to curse. Now, 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 Paul is not talking about cussing, although you ought not do that either. But what he's talking about is that your words have the power to speak a blessing or to speak a curse. Uh, last night, Jeannie looked at Amanda and she said, 2024, year of Amanda, you're going to be blessed. 
Amen? How I mean, you know, that's not just fooling around. That's like speaking a blessing over somebody. And she could have done the opposite, right? She could, I won't even say the words in jest. She could have done the opposite. I, I, I remember when I, I, I pastored a church for seven years, and anybody that knows me knows that I'm more built for, for what I'm doing today. That was the anomaly, not this. But uh, God had me do it. And, and so I, I had been at that church for about four months, and I, I can't tell you the whole story, but there, was a, there were two other campuses that that church had, and by the time I got there, those two campuses were wanting to break away from the main church that, that I pastored. But they, we were, they were all under me. And so, anyway, one of them we took care of pretty quickly. But the other one, we had a board meeting one night, and the couple that pastored that campus came into the board meeting. Now, I, I won't tell you all the details, but I, it was like I hadn't written that book. You understand what I'm saying? That was their issue. Now I just got to kind of kind of write the last chapter and try to fix it, you know, and and so I told the board, I said, since I wasn't a part of this story, I want you to just lead the meeting tonight. And I'll just sit and listen, and I'll speak if I need to. And, and so anyway, it was going well for about 20 minutes. And finally, the wife of this pastor, she looked at them, and she had some figure, I think it was like $80,000 or something. She said, you guys owe us this amount of money. And then she did this. She said, if you don't pay us, which the funny thing is, there was no us. I mean, they were our church, right? They said, but if you don't pay us, God will, she used the word curse. And as soon as she said curse, I stood up, I started banging on the table like this. Everybody freaked out. And they're like, what is going on? Because I had not said a word so far. And I pointed and I said, you shut up right now. Don't you say those words. In fact, the two of you get out. And I kicked them out of the room. My board is just looking at me like, what just happened? And I said, they just got into spiritual things. I said, I'm the pastor here, and I will not allow somebody to speak a curse. And I literally just began to speak blessing in, in that room. Then I walked out, looked at both of them, said, if you ever do that again, we will fire you and not give you anything. But if you'll shut up, you'll be blessed. And we ended up giving them a raise. They ended up with their own church two, three months later. God, God bless. But, but I will not allow somebody to speak a curse. It, it, listen, you know, you know the person that you do that to the most? The person you do that to the most is you. Some of you, you sing on the front row of the choir of your own demise. Like, like, like other people, they don't need to say anything about you because you say it about yourself. You know, you, know, you know, something I've been open about over the last couple of years is, uh, i got to go a little faster here, but I, I, uh, I, I struggle with depression. Uh, my grandfather, my, my great-grandfather committed suicide in a garage. Uh, my, my father was treated for clinical depression throughout his life. And, I mean, you know, just because you get saved doesn't mean it just magically goes away. Now, what is funny is I am married to the happiest person on earth. Jeannie wakes up in the morning and I, now we, we have this king size bed, and when she wakes up, it's amazing. I don't even know what's happening over there. It's like angels and worship music, and, and just all of heaven is invading that side of the bed. On my side of the bed, there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is demonic forces of hell coming after me. And it's funny, I, I mean, I'm joking, but I, I wake up every morning with like dark thoughts. I, I really do. And you know what I have discovered? I've discovered the power 
of speaking the word of God out loud. I, I, I'm almost cocky about it now. It's like I'll wake up, the depression, the darkness is there, and I'll just say, I have joy in the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Are the enemies like, you're a loser? I'm like, actually, Roman, or, or Ephesians 2.10 tells me I'm God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good. And listen, it doesn't even take two verses, and the darkness lifts. There is something about the power of saying it out loud. Amen? Your words are an activation system. Now, listen, I, I don't have time to develop this, but, but one of the reasons why we struggle so much with speaking to other people, is that we are more dialed in to what we, quote, need to say than what they need to hear. You know, the other day, my daughter, who's 21, she called me, and she's a worship pastor at a church plant in Pensacola, and, and they, they don't have any money, man. I mean, they, they, are, they are struggling, and she's young and dumb, and she can handle it, you know, and, and uh, but she called me, and I just needed to say some things to her about finances. The problem is, how many of the parents out there know what I'm saying? I had already said those things about 100 times. And I could just tell there was no life in the call. So finally, I caught myself. I actually remembered my own sermon. And I said, uh, I said sweetie, I'm kind of saying what I need to say, but how about I just say what you need to hear? And I began to speak to her about how most 21-year-olds would already have student loan debt and credit card debt and, and that over the power of her obeying God and how she had been making a lot of a little. And it wasn't long until there were tears, there was life. Why? Because it wasn't just what I needed to say. It was what she needed to hear. I love this verse, Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome words ever come out of your mouth, but only speech that is good for building up others. Listen to this. According to their needs. According to whose needs? Not according to what you need to say, according to what they need to hear. And on occasion, and, and so that it will be a blessing, not a curse, a blessing to them. Number three, you have to control your speech as you would a deadly weapon. Now, I have to cut through these a little bit, but sitting in this room today, there are some professional, like verbal, uh, uh, assassins and you wield your tongue like it's a deadly weapon James chapter 3 he goes on to tell us that words can be like a spark that starts a forest fire that can ruin the world they can they can they can do much damage can you imagine right now today person walking around in this room with a gun and just kind of pointing it and shooting randomly first off this is Texas so we would shoot back right and and I can't even imagine it, and yet that's what some of you do every day with your words. You, you, know, I, you know, I think one of the ways that we do this, I've never heard anybody preach on this, is sarcasm. You know, the, the dictionary defines sarcasm not as you're witty and you're funny. It defines it this way. It's saying the opposite of what you really mean so that you can mock or insult somebody. Let me read you a scripture, Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. It says, just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Wow. I've never seen that verse until just recently. But that's what we do. Some of you, when people see you coming, they're like, they brace themselves because they know it's coming. Why? 
because you just can't be trusted with your words. Number four, you have to use your words to monitor the condition of your heart. Jesus told us that words reveal what's inside of us. The heart, uh, Matthew 12, 34, whatever's in your heart determines what you say. So words are like a thermometer that indicates your spiritual condition. And this gets even deeper. Jesus told us this. He said, Matthew 15, 18, the words you speak come from the heart, and that is what defiles you. Wow. So in other words, when you let the poison out, it doesn't just affect other people. What does it do? It begins to defile you. How, how many of you have ever had negativity inside of you, and it really wasn't running your day until you talked about it, right? And as soon as you talked about it, it got out and it defiled your situation. Number five, and we're done. Everybody still with me? You have to repeat what the Spirit reveals. Repeat what the Spirit reveals. I think, I think when, whenever we're talking about words, we cannot be honest theologically if we do not talk about prophecy. Now, when, as soon as I say the word prophecy, there's two things that happen. One, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And two, some of you have been around church for a long time. And how many of you have ever had somebody say something to you that either was mean, but they said it was from God, or, or, or secondly, it just didn't make any sense? And you're, and you're like, what have you been smoking? And, I, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not real kind when somebody does. I'm just like, that's not from God. I'm sorry. I just don't understand what you're saying. You know, go pray some more, you know, you know kind of thing. But, but, but what? I, I, uh, I don't want, at the same time, I don't want, if you're counseling me, I don't want what comes out of the top of your head. I want what comes from the bottom of your spirit. Uh, last night when, I, when we were sitting with Gabe and Amanda, as we always do when we come at a restaurant, I wasn't just sitting there going like, oh, here's all the things I said to the last 10 pastors I had dinner with. I was literally sitting there going like, God, by your spirit, guide this conversation. What are the words that should be said? What should be spoken? Why? Because I don't want to give them what's coming out of the top of my head. How many of you know they got enough human wisdom? We need some God wisdom. Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, the essence of prophecy is to give, give a clear testimony of Jesus. So how do you know, how do you know when somebody is really a prophet? It's when it lifts up Jesus. Amen? Now, now I'll give you just two other quick thoughts on this. First uh, Corinthians 2.13, we speak words given us by the Spirit using the Spirit words to explain spiritual truth. So when you're meeting with somebody... And how many of you know we do need to have some grace for each other? Because why? Because it's tough to know as a human what God is really saying. But what would happen if instead of just being loose with our words, we actually began to speak to one another what the Spirit was saying? Amen? I believe it would just transform the community of this church. Uh, uh, you, you know, part of why I, I believe that God wants us to do that is in Acts 1.8, here's what the Bible says. He says, the young will prophesy. Who will prophesy? The young. Now, who are the ones that don't have much wisdom? The young, right? You would think God would say, the old people that are really smart, that have got some experience, they'll prophesy. No, what God is saying is this, is I want you to speak what I'm saying, not just what you're thinking, amen? So here's what I say. Let's release the spirit of prophecy in our church. Now, that is not saying weirdos rise up and be prophets. That's not what it's saying. 
It's saying prophecy should be a normal part of our Christian experience. Amen. We ought to be able to lift up Jesus and speak from our spirits to one another. What would happen if we did that? Life, healing, prosperity, blessing, not cursing. It would begin to happen. Now, there's an amazing moment. I'll just refer to this, and you can throw some of the scriptures up if you want. There's an amazing moment in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah, who is a prophet, he's going through a hard time. The Bible tells us there's a king named Uzziah that he was close to, and Uzziah was one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. And that king dies. And, And as Isaiah is grieving, he goes into the temple of the Lord, and God's presence shows up. In fact, theologians would call this the Shekinah glory of God. God showed up in a physical way in that temple. How many of you, when you get in God's presence, one of the first things that happens is you get convicted, right? That's what happens to me. I'm like, oh, man, I'm just not holy. I I, I need your forgiveness. That's what happened to Isaiah. And the Bible tells us this. Isaiah says this in verse 5. He said, woe to me, I cried, for I am a man of unclean what? lips in the message translation it says every word that i've ever spoken is tainted that's how some of you feel today he said i live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the lord almighty and the bible tells us that as isaiah begins to ask for forgiveness the very next verse that a that an angel flies over gets a coal representing the purity of god touches his mouth with it why because the mouth and the heart are connected You're like, no, Pastor Doug, he should touch his heart. No, no, no. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen? So so your mouth and your heart, they're very much connected. So he, he heals Isaiah. He forgives Isaiah. And what happens? The very next verse. Who will go for me? Who can I send? Why? Because Isaiah, I didn't just forgive you to forgive you. I forgave you because I want you to be on a mission. Amen? What is God saying today? If you will give me your mouth, (laughs) I will give you a ministry. If you will give me your mouth, I will put you on a mission. Listen, that will affect generations. I spoke this word in Kansas City about three weeks ago. The pastor who wasn't there, he, uh, he sent me a big text afterwards, and he said, if we get this right, our legacies will be right. He said literally family legacies would be healed if we could get this right. And how many of you know it's true? Amen? Come on, I want you to stand to your feet all throughout the house today. Uh, here's what we're going to do as somebody comes to play, and I, and I am right up against our time here. But as uh, somebody comes to play, uh, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to do the altar call real quick, okay? Here, here's here, here's what, what we got, and I, and I think this will be a big response. We're going to put this picture on our website. It's going to be awesome. How many of you would just say, I need to improve the area of my speech? Amen. Even the pastor's getting saved. It's amazing. Uh, 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 so, got to improve this area of my speech. Why? Why? Because we're human beings. We fail in this. We fail in this all the time. But if we can get this right, according to the Bible, we will be perfect. Now, now guess what? Probably not going to get it right in a day. But I don't believe that God would have put that in there just to go, let's just let him fail. No, no, no. The Lord can help us with our speech. How many of you would just say this? You'd say, Pastor Doug, I've got some verbal wounds that are inside of me. And especially with this holiday season. You know, 
because what happens? Hurt people hurt people, right? I need God to heal some things that were spoken over me. Come on, lift your hand if that's you. I need God to heal just some things that were spoken over me. That's probably most of us. I believe that the Lord can do it. Let's, let's, let's pray this prayer. Let's pray it together. Let's pray it out loud. Come on, dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead so that I could be free. So today I accept that freedom. Heal my heart so you might heal my speech. I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. I believe you're my Savior. In Jesus' name. Now come on, lift your hands and receive it. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray healing over your people. I believe that every negative word that was ever spoken over your people, God, that they'll be healed from it right now in Jesus' name. God, from this day forward, we'll walk in a better place with our speech. In Jesus' name. Come on. Everybody give God a hand clap today. Isn't he good? Amen. What a good God we serve.